As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Hebrews 12.7, one purpose for suffering is that God will use it to discipline us, discipline us to not punish us for our sin, but to reprove and correct us and get us off that, that damaging detour and put us back on the right road, the path of righteousness. But finally, real quickly, I think maybe my favorite reason for why God allowed suffering, it's, it's in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Uh, you know the story where Jacob is talking to his wicked brothers, and he, and he says to them after his brothers had sold him into slavery and he landed in prison, he said, you meant it for evil. But God intended it for good. Now, get this. Here's the good part. God intended it for good, quote, for the saving of many lives. God intends our suffering to be a platform for the saving of many lives. I know it's true for me. I mean, God has used this wheelchair as a way of getting the gospel to thousands and thousands of people with disabilities all around the world through our ministry. And I'm so honored, so blessed that this could be his conduit uh, for giving the good news of Jesus to literally tens of thousands of disabled people. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Oh, Jordan, good to be with you. And of course, uh, all of your subscribers, how good that um, we're taking time to chat about, well, I guess my life story. What can I say? (laughs) All the things, all the things. Well, you have quite the story. And I think this is just so powerful. And I'm really looking forward to getting to hear from you and hear all that you have to share. But before we dive into everything else, I would love if you can take us back to when you were 17 and how your life changed at that early stage of your life. Well, Jordan, I was just ready to head off to college, and my sister and I decided to take a visit to the beach of the Chesapeake Bay just for one last sisterly get-together and didn't realize the water was as shallow as it was. And I dove off a raft, and immediately my forehead thudded against the sandy bottom that snapped my head back, and it crushed my fourth, fifth cervical vertebrae, which severed my spinal cord. And I was face down in the water. I thought perhaps maybe I had stunned my head on the sand that I would be able to right myself, but I was uh, losing breath quickly. And I knew that if my sister did not come quickly to rescue me, I was was going to drown. Wow. But thankfully, strangely enough, a crab bit her toe. It startled her. So she turned around in the water to scream to me to watch out for crabs. And that's when she saw I was in danger and she came and rescued me. And oh my goodness, Jordan, I will never forget when they took me to the hospital and doctors said, Johnny, you're, 
you're never going to walk again. You're never going to use your legs, nor will you be able to use your hands. Mm -hmm. You are a quadriplegic, totally paralyzed for the rest of your life. Jordan, it was like a death sentence. What can I say? It was just horrible. (laughs) Oh, I can imagine, especially being just at the very beginning of your adult life and feeling like your whole future just got ripped away. It was literally ripped away. Every dream that I had about going to college and becoming, I wanted to become a physical therapist. Little did I realize I would get in on that from the wrong end. (laughs) I was about to be the recipient of a whole lot of physical therapy. Wow. Wow. What was it like? I mean, I'm sure there's so many words to describe everything from devastating to heartbreaking to confusing, and I'm sure so much more, but Really, what was it like going from being an active athlete, young, active person to being told you would never walk again? I'm curious how that affected your faith and just kind of your confidence as a young adult too. Well, at first, it just did not compute. It didn't sink in. The reality was just inconceivable. I remember sitting up in my hospital bed and a friend coming in with his guitar and uh, I used to play the guitar and I said, oh, put this on my lap. I'll be able to play it. And I said, now, just just take my hand and put it on the strings. And I don't know what I was expecting, but my fingers just were limp against these strings. And I tried as hard as I could to play that guitar. And I think that's when it hit me that, oh, my goodness, this is reality. And at that point, I plummeted into depression. I was embittered, angry Mm -hmm. against God, full of doubts, because I was a relatively young Christian. And I could not for the life of me understand why God would deal so harshly with one of his own. It just didn't seem to fit with his his good character and the desire that he had his children's best interest in mind. It certainly didn't seem like he had my best interest in mind, leaving me in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. So, I was pretty angry, embittered, and very depressed at first. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm curious, do you have any remembrance of how long that that phase lasted? Because I think that's a very normal response. When you go through something that's just so gut-wrenching or seems to steal your future, and I know I've had experiences like that with, for example, pregnancy loss, and I remember thinking my whole future just got ripped away in a totally different way. But that same feeling of just being so angry and bitter, it can just simmer there for a while. And I'm just curious, do you remember, did that last several years, several months? What was the turning point for you? It was a good couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was released from the hospital, I asked my mother, because I lived with my parents, I was still young, and I asked my mother to leave me in bed, turn out the lights, close the drapes, shut the door, and let me be by myself in the dark. I was angry, and this was my one way of retaliating against uh, the God of light. I, I just purposed I was going to sheathe myself in darkness. And frankly, Jordan, after about a week, two weeks of lying there, I got tired of the self-pity. It was so suffocating. It was so claustrophobic. It was worse than my paralysis. It was like it choked. I, I think we need hope. People cannot live without hope. And in that dark bedroom, I experienced my hope dwindling and shrinking day by day until the point where I felt I was going to suffocate. And I realized I, I, can't, I can't live this way. And I, I prayed. I said, God, this is a short prayer, but it changed my life. I said, God, if I can't die, then you've got to show me how to live. 
I have no idea how to live as a quadriplegic, but I know I can't live in a dark black bedroom for the rest of my life. So please show me how to live. And Jordan, right after that, a friend uh, shared with me a Bible verse uh, from Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. It's so short. It's so simple. But boy, it, it was filled with such hope. It says there, quote, let him who walks in darkness and has no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And it was that simple. Mm-hmm. If I would but trust God, Johnny, can you find God to be trustworthy? You don't feel like he's good. You don't think he's good. But can you find any evidences in his word that he is good? And uh, my friend wisely said, uh, take a closer look at Jesus, because that'll tell you how trustworthy God is. If this God-man Jesus loved you enough to be led away willingly into a torturous death, don't you think he has your best interests at heart? Don't you think he can be trusted? And so, taking a deep breath and remembering Isaiah 50 verse 10, I decided to trust in the name of my God, and his name is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's where it began, Jordan. That's where the turnaround happened. Thanks for sharing that. You know, I think just the honesty too, that that wasn't something that just happened overnight. And I think that so often we want to, when we're faced with really hard circumstances and suffering that just seems irreversible or like it's just not ending, it's really, I think, difficult because we want to respond well. We want to have, we think, and I think this is something I've learned the hard way through my own seasons of suffering, but I think a lot of times we think we would respond a certain way, right? And then we find ourselves in a circumstance or in a place and all of a sudden everything we ever believed seems to be in question. And it's almost like a slow crawl to get back to that place of even wanting to trust again. You know, it's like first you have to even desire to trust again. And then there's slowly turning points that happen little by little but i'd be curious once that once your friend shared that verse with you and you had that realization what did that process of learning to trust god look like i'm sure it wasn't just one night you woke up and were like i trust god now you know was that a journey for you kind of learning what does it even look like to trust god given my circumstances and how do i make the most of what i'm currently experiencing was was that really a was that a quick process or was that more of a you had the realization and then slowly it was kind of a uphill battle Well, you used the word journey, and that's exactly what it was. It was a long journey. I think that God knew he had to build my trust in him, and he knew it was going to take a long time, and he knew that he could not leave it entirely up to me. And so, he built his trust in me. In other words, you know, he built the concept of his trustworthiness in me with uh, portions of scripture that, oh my goodness, I so resonated with. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, are you going to forget me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How long must I have sorrow all day long? And Psalm 77, I sought the Lord, but I was too troubled to speak. Will he, will he reject me forever? Has he forgotten to be merciful? I mean, the, these were scriptures that assured me God resonated. God understood. God got it. God, God knew my despair, and he was in it with me. He even had words for me when I had no words for it. He gave me these incredible Psalms and so many others. When I was too weak, too depressed to put voice to my despair, I found those words in the Bible. So, from the get-go, I realized it's okay to be honest with God about our dismal, dark 
thoughts, and we demonstrate faith in those bitter times when, when we, like those psalmists, direct our dismal thoughts toward God and not away from Him. And I think that's how my faith grew, Jordan. When we aim our doubts and our dismal, dark feelings Godward, we, we're doing the right thing. We, we get into trouble, however, when we allow those same doubts to drive us away from God, not toward Him. We show yeah. lack of faith when we allow our dark questions to smear God's reputation, or we mm-hmm. sow seeds of discord mm-hmm. about Him to others, and we complain. But, oh, if we could just take our doubts and our anger and our fear and our dismal despair to God, if it's just pointing Godward, we are on a healthy spiritual trajectory that cannot go wrong. And again, those those Psalms really directed me in the right direction. Thank you for sharing that. I, I was actually, that was going to be my next question, especially because I think sometimes believers sometimes believe that any level of doubt or anger toward God is a lack of faith or it's, you know, wrong. And I'd be curious what your thoughts are. On, and I think you kind of just answered this, but if you have any other thoughts, I'm going to ask it anyway, but how we can be honest about what we're really feeling while still holding on to faith. And I think that conversation about even just the difference of directing it toward God, like not being afraid to express those angers or those questions or those those wrestlings, it sounds to me like that's probably the answer, but I'd be curious if you have any other thoughts on that, on how we can really be honest about what we're really feeling without losing faith entirely. Well, of course, God loves honesty, doesn't he? He loves vulnerability. He loves transparency. And and look at the man who was after his own heart. Look at David. Boy, was he honest with God about his despair. He says in Psalm 42, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? I mean, here's, here's a king saying this. And he says, put your hope in God, your Savior. Like, it's almost as though he is grabbing his soul by the scruff of its neck and giving his, his heart a good shake and saying, wake up out of your despair. Sure, you're in discouragement, but don't be downcast. Don't let this despair drown you. Put your hope in God, your Savior. It's, it's hearkening back to that verse in Isaiah 50. You know, if you walk in darkness and you don't have a single ray of light illumining your path, trust in God. And again, that trust and those dark feelings and our weak faith finds strength, hope, and encouragement in, in Christ. I mean, he was the most God-forsaken man who ever lived. Jesus was. And, and, and yet, he, he endured his cross so that he could in turn say to us, I'm never going to forsake you. You might be in despair. You might be languishing in a miry pit of doubt and hopelessness, but I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. Maybe my heavenly father abandoned me and forsook me. But I went through hell so that I will never, ever forsake you. What good words. What encouraging words to know we have that kind of an advocate, right? Wow, that's such a powerful perspective. Have you ever wanted to live a little bit more of a natural and holistic lifestyle for the sake of your well-being and your family's well-being, as well as to be a little bit more self-sustaining, but just felt really confused on where to start, especially if you can't just like up and move to a farm tomorrow? Look, when I first started my holistic wellness journey, I remember I felt so overwhelmed. There's so much information all over the internet nowadays, and it's so hard to discern and to know which brands are truly clean and how do I source food locally and where do I even begin with all this stuff, especially if I have a busy life and I live maybe in an apartment or a suburban life or I just don't have like goats in my backyard to go milk, you know, like how how do I do this? And, um, 
it can be really overwhelming. So what I did is I wanted to take the guesswork out of it for you because I think one of the biggest things that holds so many of us back is not only the financial side of it and the worry that it's going to be more expensive, but also the time. Most of us don't have months or years to invest in researching and reading labels and figuring out how to do that and doing all this research on our own. So we just don't, and we kind of get stuck. So what I wanted to do is create a quick start guide for you. And it's called the lifestyle overhaul guide. It is a step-by-step quick start guide to living a more natural and sustainable life. And it is laid out in a step-by-step format. It covers everything from budgeting for these changes to really reducing stress and creating a more sustainable schedule and lifestyle in terms of your time to cleaning up the products in your home and reducing your toxin burden, how to really start with that and what to prioritize and how to do that in a budget-friendly way to sourcing more food locally, shortening your supply chain, being less reliant on the grocery store and big food systems, and starting to really use the resources in your local community. I'm giving you all the best resources on how to find those things, how to source those things, and how to get started right where you are. So if that sounds like something you need, you can tap the link in the show notes on this episode, or just go to jordanleedooley.com slash lifestyle dash overhaul to check out all the details and grab yourself a copy. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. 
Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. I'd be curious to, you've learned a lot. I mean, you have walked through not only a life-altering diagnosis and becoming a quadriplegic, but also I know that you have suffered with cancer and chronic pain, which, you know, just is just like really <laughs> more, you know, what do you think you've learned? How, what would you say about what you think about how God works through suffering? How do you think God works through suffering? Oh, oh, oh it's just books have been written about this. We could go on and on. This podcast could last for another five hours <laughs> and we would never exhaust the subject. Yeah, I think of 1 Peter 5, 7, uh, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith might be established. You know, our faith doesn't amount to anything unless it's tested. What is faith? Faith means nothing unless it's tested. And, and so, trials prove whether or not our, our faith is, is genuine. And then another one, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 4, verse 7, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And oh, oh, Jordan, if I could only impress upon our listeners every godly response, every trustful response you have toward your trials is accruing for you an eternal weight of glory that one day is going to far supersede, far outshine the inconvenience of your pain down here on earth. One day, something so grand is going to happen in the world's finale, it's going to suffice for every one of your hurts. And, and everything we do down here on earth has a direct correlation to our capacity for joy and worship and service in heaven. So our light and momentary affliction is doing that. It's, it's enlarging our eternal estate. It's stretching our soul's capacity for mm-hmm. Jesus. And, uh, and also Hebrews 12, verse 7. Some people aren't going to like what I have to say here, <laughs> but Hebrews 12 says that God disciplines us. I like to think that suffering squeezes us like a lemon, revealing a stream of sins that otherwise would go undetected. Like I know when I'm in chronic pain, Jordan, man, I could become complaining. Oh my goodness, can I get nasty? I get snarky. I get mean at my husband. I just, I just crumple. I, you know, it, suffering squeezes us and reveals that we are not the paragons of virtue that we would like to think we are. And, you know, I look back, Jordan, and I'm, I don't often say this, uh, Oh, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) When I was a 17-year-old, I was sleeping with my boyfriend. Uh, Every Friday, Saturday night, I'd be in the backseat of his car. You know, his parents away, we'd be in his bedroom, and I'd be be having sex with my boyfriend. And and then every Sunday morning, I would get up and confess it. 
And this sad cycle went on for maybe a year, year and a half. And uh, I knew I was doing wrong. But I so got into the habitual practice of sinning that finally it was to the point where it had literally enslaved me. Uh, we, we can become so enslaved that we no longer are able to repent. And that's when God steps in with his discipline. Jordan, I think my broken neck was God's discipline. I think I would have, I would have hung myself spiritually. I would have gone off to college. I would have perhaps married this guy, maybe been on my second divorce. I don't know what I would have done, but I know I wouldn't be talking to you and our friends listening about the loveliness and the beauty of my Lord Jesus were it not for that broken neck. So wow. Hebrews 12, 7, one purpose for suffering is that God will use it to discipline us, discipline us to not punish us for our sin, but to reprove and correct us and get us off that, that damaging detour and put us back on the right road, the path of righteousness. But finally, real quickly, I think maybe my favorite reason for why God allowed suffering, it's, it's in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Uh, you know the story where Jacob is talking to his wicked brothers, and he, and he says to them after his brothers had sold him into slavery and he landed in prison, he said, you meant it for evil, but God intended it for good. Now, get this. Here's the good part. God intended it for good, quote, for the saving of many lives. God intends our suffering to be a platform for the saving of many lives. I know it's true for me. I mean, God has used this wheelchair as a way of getting the gospel to thousands and thousands of people with disabilities all around the world through our ministry. And I'm so honored, so blessed that this could be his conduit uh, for giving the good news of Jesus to literally tens of thousands of disabled people. But the same is true for our, our, our friends listening, because you got some unsaved friends and neighbors. Well, if you can patiently endure your most recent trial with an uncomplaining spirit, your neighbor's going to look at you and think, oh my goodness, I, she's not complaining. How good her God must be to inspire that kind of loyalty. I think I'd like to know more about this God that she keeps talking about. That, that's what I mean by, quote, the saving of many lives. So we could go on and on about all the ways God works through our suffering, but those are just a few yeah, highlights. Really, yeah, I think those are really challenging perspectives to swallow, you know, but I think there's a lot of importance to really digging into that and exploring that because so often we want to just go, well, if you're a good God, you must like, you must not be a good God or you must not be powerful enough if you let this stuff happen. But I think the perspective you bring and referencing those truths and those scriptures really, I think, challenges our minds, you know, because our human brain wants to be like, well, this makes no sense. So therefore you must not be good, you know? Yeah. And well, I, I think more recently in my life, I've come to this realization of like, I can't begin to calculate and fully understand the God of the universe. Like I could try to come up with every possible reason why this, you know, this bad thing or this hardship could happen. And all I can really understand is that God works through suffering. That doesn't mean he likes suffering, but I have to come to peace with at some point in my life, and I think we all do through suffering, yeah. that there's parts of it we won't always understand. And I think that's also a huge lesson in it. And I think there's a, a growth that happens through that as well. But I think a lot of what you shared is so important and so powerful. I know we're going to wrap up here shortly, but I have one or two other questions that I want to kind of use to wrap up because I'd love if you can share a little bit more about your ministry and what you do with Johnny and Friends. I know since you started it, God has used you in many ways, but I would love if you could share a little bit about what that is. Well, you and I just talked about that verse from Genesis 50, verse 20, God permits suffering 
quote, for the saving of others' lives. And um, it adds weight to our witness, you know what I mean? So early on, I started a ministry, what, 45 years ago it's been, called Johnny and Friends. We deliver wheelchairs to children with disabilities all around the world. We've delivered over 220,000 wheelchairs, Bibles. We do disability ministry training in countries where they still think that cerebral palsy is a curse from the local witch doctor. We do disability ministry training in places where they bury alive infants with Down syndrome. So we bring light, we bring hope, we bring the peace of the gospel to many of these places. And um, we also run, run retreats for special needs families. We'll do 36 retreats here in the United States this summer, and we'll do 38 in developing nations around the world. We work with fabulous partners all across the world who are like-minded. They they hold fast to the Luke 14 mandate, I like to call it, that portion of scripture where Jesus says, when you give a banquet, don't just invite your rich friends, relatives, and neighbors, but go out, find the disabled, the lame, and the blind, invite them, do it, and you will be blessed. So, so my life, Jordan, is, I just want to squeeze every ounce of ministry out of this quadriplegic body that I possibly can in, in hopes that others will find God to be as satisfying and as beautiful and as, as, as filled with grace as I have found him to be. The good word that we share with so many people with disabilities around the world is just 10 simple words. It's just 10. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. He hates suffering. He takes no pleasure in it. Even Jesus, when he was on earth, did what he could to relieve it, but he will allow it. He permits suffering to accomplish something that he loves. And of course, that is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Oh, real quickly, I look at the the death of Jesus himself. God permitted what he hated, this gruesome, horrible, torturous death of his own son. We think, what? Where is God in that? What could he possibly prize above the horrific, heinous, torturous death of his own son? Why would he allow that? Well, God permits what he hates, the crucifixion, to accomplish something that he loves. And what does he love? Salvation for a world of sinners. And the same is true for you and me. God permitted your miscarriage. God permitted my broken neck. God permits these awful things that he takes no delight in. And you mentioned that earlier, but he permits the things he hates to accomplish things that he loves. And sometimes we don't always understand what that loving purpose might be on this side of eternity. But oh my goodness, what a glorious day that's going to be when we will no longer see the underside of the embroidery, but God will flip it right side up and we'll see the beautiful pattern, the glorious, colorful pattern that he's weaving. So so take heart. We've got a good God. Wow. Well, my last question was going to be if you had any encouragement for those who are struggling with suffering or a major health diagnosis, but I think you covered that. (laughs) I'm over here like, okay, don't cry. Don't cry. Well, let me say one thing real quick, Jordan. Yeah. I'm going to encourage our friends listening if they're struggling to wake up tomorrow morning needing God desperately, saying, I can't do this. I'm so despairing. I'm so discouraged. I do that often, Jordan. I wake up, my chronic pain is so hard. God, I cannot do one more day of quadriplegia and pain, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that would be my good word to wake up tomorrow morning being honest mm. about your heartaches and struggles and your needs. <laughs> God loves it when you do that. 
Yeah. Well, Johnny, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story and about what you do and just giving us really some healthy perspective. I think so many are walking through their own hardships, their own circumstances that feel never ending, that feel like a death sentence, as you mentioned in the beginning. And when you feel like you lose a future, when you feel like you lose a lot of hope, it's hard to hold on to that. And it's hard to see kind of the forest through the trees, if you will. It's hard to see the goodness of God. It's hard to hold on to your faith. But like you said, there's also a refining that happens in that and a testing. And sometimes the testing goes on a lot longer than you ever thought, you know, or than you ever expected. Uh, We'd all like for it to be momentary and brief, but I think also you've pointed out that in light of eternity, that's really the case, even though here it feels like it's going on and on and on. And so thank you for everything you've shared. Where can everyone hear more from you and check out all the work that you're doing? Well, I would love to hear if our friends have been encouraged by these words, our time together, Jordan, and they can visit our website at johnnyandfriends.org. That's J-O-N-I. Looks like Joni, but it's pronounced Johnny, J-O-N-I-A-N-D-F-R-I-N-D-S, johnnyandfriends.org. And just drop me a line to let me know how you've been blessed by our time together. That would be encouraging to me. And you'd find more about our ministry at Johnny and Friends. I love it. Thanks for being here. Absolutely, Jordan. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.